Canada is in kind of unprecedented territory this morning after pointing the finger at India and accusing the Indian government of being involved in the assassination of a Canadian on Canadian soil. That's a huge charge. Now, we expelled an Indian diplomat. India responded this morning by expelling a Canadian diplomat. We've cancelled trade talks. We have informed our allies. You know, from a national security perspective, what else or what should Canada be doing at this point? To join us now to talk more about this is Dan Stanton. Dan is the director of the National Security Program at the University of Ottawa and former executive director of the Canadian Security Intelligence Service. Dan, thank you for being here. Oh, my pleasure, Simi. Now, for a prime minister to do this, Dan, to stand up the way that he did yesterday and say the things that he said, can you give us an idea of what prompts that behind the scenes? Well, it, it looks to me like there was very solid intelligence leads. We're not, we're not talking about criminal evidence that would stand up in court. But uh, obviously, Ottawa or you know, the government has received um, solid indicators, possibly corroborated Uh, possibly multiple source, enough to give confidence to the PM to make those statements and then the action we saw subsequent to that. There was no equivocation at all in his words. He was quite clear accusing India of doing this. So from your perspective, you believe that the threshold for that would have been very high? Would have been very high. And I know from my 32 years in service, most of it in in collection, uh, you know, CSIS goes to great lengths to sort of stand behind their brand in terms of the reliability of the information. So this, this, would, have been, uh, this would have been thoroughly assessed and rigorously assessed uh, and, and tested and evaluated that it's, it's solid. They're, they're not just going to tell the prime minister or, or tell the cabinet that, uh, you know, they think this happened. It would be pretty, pretty strong. What has led up to this? I mean, Canada hasn't always had the best relationship with India, has it? No, I mean, historically, it hasn't, especially when you go back in the earlier years when, when there was extremism and when it was a growing concern. And, and you know, we know about Air India and, and things like that. So from an Indian perspective, there, you know, there wasn't, uh, I guess you could say, the action taken that they expected. But then it gets, it gets, it gets back on there. I mean, India is seen as a, a partner and an ally of sorts. And, but there's always been these these issues, I think, from from the Canadian standpoint, in, into their treatment of of minorities, um, you know, religious minorities, cultural minorities, and uh, trying to get on, the, uh, you know, get that dialogue with India, and uh, obviously, it doesn't seem to work. Is part of that complication then, I guess, to help the broader Canadian public understand this, is that if these some of these minorities you talked about in India are not the minorities here in Canada, it is the larger Indian population here in Canada. Well, what it is is that. What we would regard as dissent and free speech and, you know, uh, from the Indian state perspective, it's seen as a threat to national security. So, for example, the the, uh, the Sikh minority in, in India, uh, any of their aspirations, even nonviolent aspirations, are seen as a threat. Uh, we see this with the Muslim population as well. So India deals with them as though they are, you know, threats to their national security and terrorism. Uh, which doesn't uh, segue well with Canada, which, of course, we, we need, you know, we need to see evidence. We need to see proof that someone's a terrorist and, and so on. And the fact that they're just speaking out about things in the homeland doesn't necessarily make them a terrorist. So there's, there's sort of a we don't really have the same language in that. And India is seeing this as all threats to the integrity of their state. And, and it appears to be they're going outside their borders with some sort of extrajudicial killing.
which is which is uh, a game changer. We've yeah. never seen this before. That's what I was just about to ask you. How extraordinary is this situation potentially? It's extraordinary because, you know, we have this constellation of pariah states like Iran and Saudi Arabia. I won't mention too many more, but where we sort of expect that behavior, we don't expect that from India. It's a member of G20 and Canada's had historically, you know, good relations with India. And so this this activity, it's 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 really uh, it's quite an outlier there. It's 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 it is unprecedented in my 32 years in national security counterintelligence, counterterrorism, foreign interference. I've never seen anything like this. What tools are left to us, though, Dan, at this point? Like, what can Canada do? Tough. That's a good question. I mean, so far, I, I mean, I think right now the ball's in India's court. Canada's made this announcement, made these accusations. There's been, you know, expelling of, uh, of diplomats. Um, but the ball is in India's court, in my opinion. They're going to have to, at some point, acknowledge this. They're going to have to cooperate. There may be some some extradition issues involved uh, with with some of the accused. Who knows? It looks like the government's made efforts in the last few weeks, quietly, bilaterally, to get India to cooperate. And I imagine there's some sort of frustration level there that that led to what we saw yesterday in the House of Commons. Do we potentially have support from our allies on this? Does that complicate things? I would be no. I would have no doubt on that. I mean, you know, certainly the security intelligence partners work quite closely, and they would have a vested interest in this. Not only countries like you know the UK, US, Australia, New Zealand, where they have you know South Asian populations, they have Sikh communities, but even just their security intelligence and sharing and cooperating with India and things like this, um, they're probably having a lot of deep concerns right now in terms of. Uh, you know, who they're dealing with. So there would be pressure there. I think behind the scenes, there would be pressure from allies of Canada. We're just not going to hear it in the media. Yeah. Do you, when you see what's going on, especially with the G20 summit, now we're all looking at it in a different light, right? Uh, Where do you see that, the pressure behind the scenes? Well, it seems, I mean, I I actually, when I saw that and I saw the prime minister's, uh, you know, lack of warmth there. I, I did think it may have something to do with this or certainly had to do with foreign interference in Canada. And so I think it's simply that this eclipses all other, you know, relationships or efforts or trade, what have you, cooperation, fighting counter, fighting terrorism, things like that. Uh, and so it's impossible for the government to act as though it's just business as usual. Um, and who knows? We don't know the extent of the threat, too. There might be some other strands or dimensions to this that that hasn't been made public in terms of uh, Indian uh, Indian interference and Indian perhaps uh, murder in in Canada. So so I I think the chill is unavoidable to a certain degree. And it is kind of, I think, refreshing to know that our government puts the security of Canadians first, uh, other than before the bilateral relationship with another state. Because in the end, as you point out, that is what we're talking about. Once again, here, it's foreign interference. It's just a country that we weren't talking about before. Exactly. And that's really the question comes down to, you know, a government that won't protect its citizens. um, Those are are pretty primordial issues. And so this government, obviously, yesterday was a good demonstration of that, is saying that, no, we put the safety and security of Canadians, certainly in Canada, it's sacrosanct. And so all these other issues and trade and, you know, uh, all the 
warm feelings and everything are going to have to be put in the back burner until this is sorted out. Do you expect the tough talk then to continue? This sounds like we're going to have a bit of a a freeze on Canada-India relations. Sounds like it. I mean, it it just depends. I mean, this is just a side of India we're seeing. It's it's an autocratic state, doesn't treat its minorities well. And uh, this is how they treat uh, allies and friends like Canada. I'm saying, assuming this is all true and, and all aspects of it are true. And so far, it looks like it is. But it, it does show the, the, the other side of India that, that Canada has to deal with or the Canadian government has to deal with. Right. But to be clear and, and to kind of go back to what you were saying at the beginning, from your experience was 30 plus years in intelligence services for a prime minister to stand up and do what he did yesterday would mean a, a level of information that we that is kind of solid. Absolutely. There, there's no equivocation on it. So it and it would be, you know, it would be shared with allies as well. So prior to this, uh, there'd be a lot of dialogue and a lot of discussion. Uh, you know, is this something you see in other countries as well? So so I don't think for the prime minister to make those statements and then the follow up action yesterday with the PNG, uh, it's it's sort of like it reached a saturation point And I guess they had to act. Dan, thank you so much for your time this morning. Oh, my pleasure, Simi. We really appreciate that conversation. That is Dan Stanton. Now, Dan is the director of the National Security Program at the University of Ottawa and the former executive director of the Canadian Security Intelligence Service. So he knows of what he speaks on this front. And there is more to come on that story.